welcome to the Magic Is You podcast, where we talk all about being the fullest expression of you and making the journey just as beautiful, if not more so, than the destination. It's time to say yes to desire. It's time to turn up your magic. The most powerful version of you is the fullest expression of you. Hey, hey, Michelle here, and I have something very special for you today. I was digging through some old videos, and there's one that I filmed in January 2020, back when The Magic Is You was called The SOS Club, and I actually filmed it in the Facebook group that I had for The SOS Club slash Magic Is You back then. I don't have that group anymore, so don't go looking for it. I'm no longer on Facebook or Instagram. But I had just come from an event that Mastin Kip hosted. Mastin's the author of Claim Your Power, and I talk about his work all the time. And I had a notebook full of notes in my iPad, and I just came into the group to share the epiphanies and the notes and the teachings I had just learned and were life-changing to me. And I just did a video. It's raw, unedited, just me sharing my notes to the people in the group live. So you're going to hear that in a second. But I just wanted to point out, I think in the video, I said something like I had asked Mastin, um, hey, I have everything I need to make a million dollars in my business. Like I have all the pieces, but I feel like there's something missing. I said something about that. And it's interesting looking back because I realized that between going to that event in January, 2020 to now, I have made over a million dollars in my business. And it, what it, it is a, a big part of that is what I learned at that event, because the, it's not just about the money. The money was a way to, to measure how much I was working on myself. So it's not that, oh, I'm at this event because I want to learn some tactics and make some money. It was, I'm at this event because there's something inside of me that is holding that million dollar level at arm's distance. And even though I have all the technical pieces in place to create more wealth, there's something that I am holding on to that's not serving me at a level that is on the inside, not even in the business, but it's on the inside. And I was trying to look at that more closely. But also I was at the event because I had stumbled across an ad from Mastin that said the old model of personal growth is broken. And that really stood out to me because I felt that for so long and someone was finally saying it. And I immediately bought my ticket to the event, even though I was very pregnant, I knew I had to go. And what I learned at that event, which I won't go into detail because you'll hear about it in the audio that's about to play. But what I learned really gave me the pieces that I needed to pull everything together and to reach that next breakthrough. So 
I really want you to listen to these notes. They're not just, you know, a random episode I'm throwing in here. This is really the teachings that have been such a pivotal part of me being able to grow as a person, grow my business. And I refer to his teachings all the time. I have used his teachings to create um, a portion of the Magic Is You program where we talk about the self-protecting patterns. Did I did I mention this? The self-protecting patterns where we all have these patterns in place that we use to protect ourselves and to cope and to survive. And mine was putting myself last. And until I learned, not only do I need to go in the opposite direction of that pattern, I needed to do it from a place of self-love and self-healing, not from a place of, I'm going to get past this. I'm going to push through this. I'm going to overcome this. No, I needed to bring in an energy of healing and loving myself and seeing the inner child and seeing how scared she was and letting her know that I'm there for her. And Mastin talked about that too, like the inner child. I never heard a grown, I realized I was sitting there. I never heard a grown man talk about the inner child, talk about trauma, talk about all of these things. It was just such a great experience. And that's why I believe that even if you don't know why you feel compelled to do something or go somewhere or meet up with someone or attend this event or sign up for that thing, you have to listen to your intuition. Because all I knew was this one line in the ad that I came across randomly and it spoke to me and I immediately bought my ticket and that event that I went to, which was just a one day event, I learned things I didn't even anticipate that changed my life, changed my business, helped me make over a million dollars. So say yes to desire, (laughs) pay attention to your intuition. In fact, one of the quotes that I wrote from the event was Mastin said, um, not making a decision shows your intuition that you don't trust it or something like that. So he talked about intuition too. It was just really great. Anyway, I'll stop rambling and you can just listen to my raw and edited video slash audio because you're only getting the audio here uh, about my notes from Mastin's event. Hello. Coming in to say hi, see how you guys are doing. Put on some chapstick. Well, I have been catching up with just what day it is. I was telling Amy yesterday I spent half the day thinking it was Sunday and it was actually Monday and I missed a doctor's appointment and a client's appointment and it made me think next January I need to be doing absolutely nothing so I don't have to care what day it is. Um, so today is Tuesday and this past weekend, Miguel, Noah and I packed ourselves up and went to Miami, which is about an hour away for the weekend. 
you might have seen on my Instagram stories and I shared a little bit here in the club. I went to a Mastin Kip, a Mastin Kip um, event where he was introducing this new coaching around helping people kind of let go of the old model of self-improvement and learn about this new model, which I guess it's a new model in terms of professionally offering it as coaching, but it's something that I kind of always knew was a reality, which is you can't really do personal development and self-improvement without looking at your childhood and unraveling the patterns that you have as a result of events that happened when your brain was still forming. And we cannot inspire and motivate ourselves out of patterns that are a result of trauma. So this is something I've kind of always been trying to highlight and talk about here in the SOS club. So it's really interesting to go to a coaching session or just a teaching around someone who was real, who really did the work to figure this out and offer it, offer a framework for moving through trauma and understanding it and growing personally as a result of being trauma informed because so many of us avoid trauma or we try to forget about it or it's buried deep in the recesses of our mind and we don't even think we went through trauma. And yet every single person has. And he was talking about how there's capital T trauma and small t trauma. It could be some terrible thing that happened or it could be some seemingly small thing that happened but regardless, it's shaped how you view the world, it shapes how you feel about the world, and your perception and your feelings became your reality, regardless of whether or not they were true. And so it was interesting because he had these little coaching sessions with people in the room to show how it always goes back to what happened with your mom or dad? It always goes back to that. And he showed how that, what, what experience you had as a kid, is now impacting your adult life, your relationships, your business. And it's not, and I, I love this because I've always felt when people ask questions like, how do I grow my email list or how do I show up more on Instagram, or what is the best SEO strategy? I know that they can get the answer, but the answer to, like the surface level answer to a strategy or tip, business tip question is not really what's going to help them. So I always think, are you doing the work to find out what's really behind you feeling like you're unclear or stuck or hesitant or procrastinating. It's not because you don't know the business answer. It's always because of something deeper. Like I was just at a conference, um, the uh, 
Female Entrepreneur Association Conference in Palm Springs. And there was a, like a little coaching hour and one lady, she was asking, how do I get better at Instagram? Like I'll get on and I'll be really great and I'll post all the time and then I'll stop and I don't know why and I can't get consistent and how do I stay consistent? So her question was how to stay consistent at Instagram. And after like Carrie was trying to help her, like, like, well, do you need to come up with a plan? Do you need this? Do you need that? And after a few minutes of back and forth, the lady asking the question kind of let it slip that in the back of her head, like she kind of threw it out on the side. She didn't identify like this is the reason. But once she said it, it was like, oh, that's the reason you have problem with Instagram. She said that in the back of her mind, she can hear her mother saying, don't flaunt yourself. Stop showing off. Don't put yourself out there like that. And that is the reason she can't be consistent at Instagram. It's not because she doesn't have a great social media strategy. It's because she has the voice of her mother holding her in this box that was created when she was a child. Like this idea that to put herself out there is bad. And so it's really interesting because this is so often the case with anything. It's not like we want to think that we just need the simple answer. Like, tell me how to do X, Y, Z. But if there, is a, if there are patterns in our childhood that we don't look at and kind of step outside of, instead of letting it dictate how our brains are wired, then those things, it's always going to be in charge. Those patterns are always going to be in charge. And it's always really interesting to hear what other people's patterns are and where they came from because then that makes you realize, oh, and it makes you look at your own patterns and realize, oh, I think I froze. I'm not back. Okay. It makes you realize how you have similar experiences and now you're able to kind of step outside of it and look at it for what it is where before you just accepted it as the truth. So Mastin was sharing how one of his trauma experiences, um, his mom, when she was 15, broke her back while horse riding, if I remember correctly. And that led to a life of chronic pain for the mother and it created a household where Mastin's father was always taking care of the mother the mother always was sick and in pain and so Mastin who's a two-year-old little boy became a child who was neglected so even if you have loving parents there can still be things that happen where if they're not aware of the fact that they have these impressionable children whose brains are still forming, you know, even if you love your kid, if you are not aware of how a need going unmet can create a tra traumatic experience, whether or not you feel you live in a loving household, you know, that that's, you know, that's something that happened, which was he had he grew up in a home where he was neglected because his mom just needed so much attention from the father because he was sick. And then the other thing on top of that is the mother 
was going to a doctor who kept her on these drugs. And later it was found out that the doctor was basically a salesperson for drugs and made money by keeping people on these really terrible drugs. And it's a wonder that the mother even is still alive. And Mastin was talking about how he grew up just feeling like, why is she sick? She doesn't need to be sick. I can heal her. And he would like try to, even as a little boy, try to heal his mom energetically, like not even knowing what he was doing. And then later on as an adult, he, he actually helped his mom by putting her in the right program, helped her get off the drugs and heal. And now she's like a yoga master and whatever. But he was talking about how that was how he was wired. And he said that he, because of that, because of his desire to heal his mom, he attracts a lot of women who need healing. <laughs> and he's like, he said, look around you. And every, there were like, everyone in the room was a woman. There's like maybe four men <laughs> in all of these women. And those men were probably dragged there by their girlfriends or wives. And so that's, it's really interesting because it's not that you get rid of trauma or get rid of the pattern because obviously the fact that his mom was sick for all his life is part of the mission he has today, which is helping people heal from their pain, particularly women. And he talks about how if you can, let me get my, let me get my notes. Took a lot of notes and I want to share them with the SOS Club in the upcoming coaching workbook. But he said, if you can embody your life purpose, you can turn your trauma into rocket fuel. So he has this life purpose that turns this traumatic experience of growing up as a neglected child because his mom was always sick into the rocket fuel that allows him to help people in a particular way today. And the other thing that he was talking about that I thought was really interesting, like I love going to things and it, it like it puts into words the stuff that I'm trying to figure out. And he said that if you can make a nervous system feel safe, you will unleash brilliance. And so he was talking about our nervous system and how that that controls so much of how we feel how we think how we behave and it was in, and i talked to him about this part because he said he said it's not your thoughts create your life and i asked him well what do you mean about that because you've been hearing that for ages your thoughts create your life and he said, well, that is true, but it's only so far because your nervous system is, I might be butchering what he said, but from what I can understand, you have your thoughts, but you also have your nervous system. And your nervous system is what is affecting your thoughts. And so often our nervous system, because we've been through traumatic experiences, does not feel safe and if you can't feel safe at that level then you're always kind of overriding your ability to think truly um 
And then other things I wrote down was where he said, living your purpose is the greatest gift you can give to people you love. If it feels selfish, that's a trauma response, not a soul response. And that is a big thing, especially if you come from a family where it's kind of dysfunctional, is you're trained to think in a way that puts yourself last. And we hear that all the time. Put other people first. Family is everything. But if you don't understand it in a healthy way, it becomes a form of manipulation. Because then you think that for you to actually live your life, take up space, go full out, do your own thing, that somehow that means you're hurting your family and you're abandoning them and you're not a good person, you're not a good daughter or whatever. And for Mastin, he kind of believed that. He believed that if he left and did his own thing, he would be abandoning his family. But he had to in order to get to a point where he could turn around and literally save his mom from dying so you have to think bigger than these paradigms that come from older generations or people who are older than you and your family. And he said something interesting. He said, stop abiding by the rules of previous generations. And he said that the reason we do that is because we're trying, we, the reason we hold on to these rules that are passed down, which don't really make sense, like a simple example could be, there's still patterns in your family that were passed down from the Great Depression. And it's a, lot, it's a scarcity mindset, save everything, there's not enough. Like that was passed down from the trauma of the Great Depression. And you take those on because you feel like to have a relationship with these people who are passing down these rules, you have to abide by the same rules. And he, so, he says, you. Stop abiding by the rules of previous generations to maintain a relationship. So literally for you to stop following old models that don't work, that were taught to you in your family, the reason it feels so scary is because to stop mean, can also mean to risk losing the relationship. Um, but you have to you have to do that in order to have a real relationship in the future anyway. He also said the greatest burden a child bears is the unlived life of a parent. The greatest burden a spouse bears is the unlived life of a partner. That was interesting. That's something I like that's something I think about. Like you have to Oh, let me read the comments. Vicky says, I really like that, and I think that makes complete sense. It's not all about thoughts. Yes. Yeah, and I definitely want to understand this more because I don't want to – I know that we're going into mindset month and I don't, or mindset quarter, and I don't want to say, well, just change your thoughts because I know that it's not just choosing a certain thought. It's like you're training something deeper inside of you to – feel okay and it's not just let me pick that thought so lisa says so interesting what is the guy's name mastin okay let me put it down mastin kip i put it in the comments 
Francel says, this makes sense. Now I see why I get triggered by family first type slogans. I didn't realize that there are actually families that don't use that to manipulate you. Interesting. Yeah, so family first, here's the thing. If you really want to put your family first, you have to put yourself first. Because if you put yourself last and your family first, then you are, like an example would be, Growing up, I saw women who were mothers and they looked completely wrecked. They looked like they had completely given up on themselves, all in the name of my kids are the most important thing. I'm just here to make sure everyone else is happy, don't care about me. And that is not putting family first. That is creating an idea for your children that that what is going to be their destiny when they have a family. And you know that deep down, if you're living like that, you're not happy or, for, or fulfilled and you would not wish that on your children. And yet, because you project that, you are creating a legacy where they're going to likely end up like that and I have this one particular lady who I saw living like that she looked completely run down all the time desperate tired miserable unhappy and slowly she I noticed her starting to live her own life take some trips buy some earrings, dress a little nicer, got a haircut. And even though I'm not in this woman's family, I was like, wow. And I could see that it was having an amazing impact, not only on her, but on her kids, because they now had a mom who was happier, who, was, uh, who looked better, who felt better. That affects your kids. Your kids can feel your energy. And you're not doing them any favors by throwing yourself under the bus to take care of them. It's like by taking care of you, you take care of them because they need an example, an example of what it means to be happy, healthy, fulfilled, and living a life of purpose. So by putting yourself first, you are putting your family first. If Mastin didn't put his purpose first and go off and live his life in dreams, regardless of what his parents may have thought about him, he would never have gotten to a point of being a successful business person able to spend tens of thousands of dollars to put his mom through the treatment that she needed to get off these killer drugs and get better. So you have to embrace this period where you let the relationship be at risk so that you can actually do what you need to do to be in the truth and turn around and help people from a place of actually having helped yourself. Because if you never help yourself, if you never put yourself first, you get to a point where you can't help anybody and you can't put anyone else first. So I think that when we hear the statement family first from members of family, they don't understand it. They're just throwing words out. They don't have a deep understanding of what that means and what that looks like. So when I would hear, family first. You just got to accept me the way I am. You got to put family first. Family is everything. 
it always kind of made me feel icky in the moment. And then later after learning some things and looking back, those statements for me in my case, typically came from people who were very manipulative and miserable in my family. So we don't want to take advice from people like that. <laughs> we don't, we want to look at who is giving us this advice, not what the advice is, but who is giving it to us. Because just because they say something smart doesn't mean that we should just take it. We should also put it in the context of where is it coming from because we're taking it all in. If someone who looks miserable and tired tells you, well, your children are the most important thing, then you, you know that, okay, yeah, children are important, but then you're also looking at this person who's miserable and tired, and then you think that to make children important, you have to be miserable and tired. So you have to notice that you're taking all of this in and be more discerning about how you are receiving the information so that it's not just coming in without a filter. Um, let me read some more notes. He was talking about the phrase, I'm a survivor. And he was, he said that that is a great, place to get to, where you've overcome all this trauma and whatever, and you get to a point where you're like, I'm a survivor. He said, that's great. You're winning. You, you're, you're making it. But beyond that, you want to graduate to a new identity, which is, which is bigger than just I'm a survivor. You want to be able to say, I'm a human being, and that happened to me, versus saying, I'm a victim or I'm depressed or I'm 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 a I've I've been abused or I'm an abused person like instead of making the the thing that happened your identity realize that you at at your at the core you are a human being you have dignity you're a human being period and then the thing that was traumatic happened to you it is not you so it's like the separation. We we stop make taking ownership and embodying the things that happen to us, and we just embody who we really are, purely and truly. And we see these things that happened as things that are outside of us, and then we can start to use them. Then we can start to apply meaning. Um, purpose starts as an emotional state. If you don't know how you want to feel, there's no compass. If you're stuck emotionally because of trauma, that's the problem. So he was talking about how people are always saying they're stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. And it's not stuck for lack of information, it's stuck because emotionally you're frozen in this space because of trauma. Replace patterns that make you feel worse with patterns that make you feel better. Start with the feeling. It's your compass. Like when I, oh, I put, like when I went to Paris and came back with a new emotion to guide my goals, behavior, and choices. So this is a note I put in because 
when I was like really going through stuff, I went to Paris at 21 years old, just walked across the street, bought a ticket and left for a month. And when I came back, I literally had an emotion inside of me that I had not had before. And it was this feeling of anything is possible. Life can be beautiful. Like I felt that at a whole new level as a result of going to Paris. And that feeling did become my compass. I started to change my life to reflect this feeling that I wanted more of. And I do feel like at a nervous system level, I had this new emotion inside of me to guide me and to, to start to see the world differently, feel differently, and change my life. So beforehand, I was stuck emotionally. And afterwards, I got I, I started to, to feel more flow. Like I got out of the it's, it's my my story of how I lived the same year twice. I was stuck emotionally. I had the same I had the same dead rundown stagnant emotions inside of me and they weren't moving. They weren't going out, they weren't going around, they were just stuck and therefore I felt stuck. I, I was in a rut for two years and at some point I went to Paris and I shifted that out where I had this new emotion and there was flow and there was energy and there was, you know, the river started moving again. So yes, emotions are a big part. That's why we gotta like shake things up, <laughs> get around, get around new experiences, new people, because there's so many things out there that we can feel and experience if we put ourselves out there. But if we go through every day doing the same thing, talking to the same people, then we are experiencing the exact same emotions. And that's why we get in a, in a rut because we're not introducing any new emotions into our nervous system. Well, this is just me saying from how I'm putting this into words. Like we need to have new experiences because we need new emotions to inform our nervous system of other ways of, of living like it needs new data we can't keep giving our nervous system the same old data and expect to feel different or behave different um let me see He's talking about self-regulation. And I've known about this, but I never knew the words for it. So self-regulation, behaving from the truth of what's happening, not from the feelings of what's happening. So let's say you, like I was just listening to a podcast and the lady on it was talking about how her husband would come home from work and he'd be in a bad mood. And then that would affect how she feels and then she would want him to 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 uh, behave differently and be happier so that she could be happier and 
This is an example we can all relate with. Needing someone else to behave, to behave in a different way so that we can feel a different way. And he said, and Mastin was talking about self-regulation, where you look at the truth of what's happening, not the feelings of what's happening. So you can look at someone and think, oh, they're having a bad day. But that doesn't mean you have to feel anything about that. That's their experience. And the other thing he said was, you can validate people without agreeing with them. And I needed to hear that because a lot of the times I would, if if I would be like, well, that's not true and disagree, but I don't need to disagree. I can say, oh, you feel that way. That's how you feel. And that's it. I don't have to say it's not true. It's not true how you feel. <laughs> um, it's just how you feel. Like, I don't need to disagree with how you feel. It is how you feel. And so when you self-regulate, you're not feeling like, oh, my goodness, this person, they said this thing to me. And now, oh, my gosh, I have to change how I see the world. Like there was an example there of this couple and the man, uh, Mastin was kind of coaching them. And it was revealed that the man told the woman who they used to be in a relationship and he told her, I cannot handle your level of happiness. Like she would be happy, happy all the time. And for the man, that came from feeling from his childhood where he felt like in his household, he did not take up a lot of space. Like his mom took up more space than him and he had to shrink in order to be in the same space. And now in this relationship with this woman who's happy, happy all the time, he kind of felt like that was a threat again, where this woman is taking up all the space. I can't go up there. I live down here. And now I have to shrink because this happiness is crowding me out. And you might think, oh, my gosh, what a jerk. <laughs> this woman just wants to be happy. But then when Mastin was looking at the woman, like why she was always happy, and she got that from her mom. So the father was always negative and the mother would try to make up for it by overcompensating with being uppity, uppity, happy, happy all the time, whether or not that really was how she felt. And so now this, this woman was getting that from her mother where she felt like she had to create this energy in order for things to be okay. And so he is basically, everyone is a child in an adult's body. <laughs> if you're not like doing the trauma work, you're just a child in an adult's body because the way you're behaving, it's just a pattern you got from childhood. And he was showing how in a relationship, one person's trigger is another person's coping mechanism. So for the woman, her way of coping was to be happy all the time. And for the man, his trigger was being around people who were happy all the time because then that crowded him out and made him feel small. And so it's really interesting, and Mastin said that in relationships this often happens, people who are attracted to each other, one person's coping is another person's trigger. So the way that you might be coping is triggering to, some, is triggering to your spouse, and the way that your spouse might be coping is triggering to you. 
um, Mastin was giving an example where in his relationship with his girlfriend, when Mastin, um, he said when they get into a fight, Mastin, or an argument, Mastin wants to kind of hide away and be on his own. And his girlfriend wants to talk and let's, you know, be together, let's figure this out. And it's two different ways of reacting to the same situation. So if he was talking about how if you're not trauma-informed, you don't see this, and then you become so in it, and you just get angrier and more triggered and all this stuff versus being able to see, oh, this is how this person is coping. Oh, this person just told me that my happiness is too much for him. He must have a hard time with happiness. It's not, oh my gosh, my happiness is too much for this person and I have to, it's like, you don't go down this road of feelings. You're able to self-regulate and put yourself outside of the experience and see that this person is having this experience. It doesn't mean that it's on me. Yes, I might have my own things to figure out, but I don't need to take ownership of the way this person sees the world. They have their own patterns and behaviors from childhood and stuff to figure out. It's not a reflection of who I need to be or whatever. So that was really interesting to put that in the terms of term of self-regulation. What else? I just put some random notes like you need to know how to feel your emotions in a safe way. Learn how to navigate the nervous system. Um, he also talked about what happened to you, what happened to you and what happened after what happened. So it was interesting because he said it's not always the trauma itself, it's what happened after the trauma. So if you went through a terrible experience and then afterwards the people around you wanted to pretend, oh, nothing happened, oh, this is normal, oh, get over it then that really is the thing that messes you up, what happened after, because that makes you feel like there's no real safe way, there's no safety. So he was talking about how that keeps us from feeling our emotions in a safe way. And if you're doing work to overcome trauma, then it's really important to be around people who can help you process it properly so that it's not another experience of, oh, I just bared my soul to you and you're acting like it's nothing. So it's not any, like you can't just say, oh, you're responsible for helping me get through processing trauma. It's like you have to go to people who can actually help you, like safe people. You can't just put it on anybody because everyone is going through figuring out how to be better human beings who have experienced trauma. And a lot of people don't even know how to help themselves, let alone help you. So it's really important to, if you are going to do this work, to do it with the right people so that you feel that safety after having done some of that work of uncovering trauma. And that's where the thing that attracted me to Mastin was, I listened to a re an interview he did where he said that everybody needs a mentor or a therapist. 
And I've remembered that for years. And it occurred to me that the reason that stuck to me was it was kind of like a black and white statement on you can't do this alone. And not only can you not do this alone, you need someone who is literally higher and further and more aware than you, helping you through what you're going through. It's not just, oh, I have these friends or I have these buddies. It's like, they're not your mentors. They're not your therapists. Like you literally need to choose someone who can speak into your life from a place of knowing a whole lot more than you do. Not just people who are, not just, just people who are like-minded, but people who are further along and have an awareness about what it really means to overcome what you're going through. They're not just going to say, oh, well, you need to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. Like they know that on a deeper level, there is real inner work to be done. And they're not going to just hand you a quick tip as if that's all you need. Um, he said, your environment needs to support the person you want to be. So I like to hear that because we went through the decluttering and he was kind of talking about that, where you need to make sure your space is supporting the person you want to be. And we did that work in the last quarter, letting go of anything that reflected who we used to be, childhood garbage stuff and blah, 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 things that we thought we were supposed to do because our grandmother or our mother or father, blah, 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 like letting go of all of that so that Moving forward in 2020, everything in our physical space reflects who we choose to be, not who your mother or father or whatever expected you to be. Franchelle says, I think this is good unless the spouse doesn't talk much, then it's difficult to know what they are thinking slash feeling. Yeah, um, I think that's typical with men. It's because a lot of their trauma history comes along with being told that they can't show emotion. Like, you you shouldn't cry. Crying is for girls. You're not a girl, like all that stuff. And so they never learn how to, If I feel like if you don't know how to cry, then you don't know how to communicate because a lot of emotions can make you cry. And if you're trying to ignore that you have those emotions, you can never really talk about how you really feel and if you can't talk about how you really feel, then you can't communicate. <laughs> um, so that's where we have to realize that we can't be their therapist. We can't be their mentor or coach or therapist. But we can say that, you know what, this is, this is what's going on. It's because you grew up with a father that wouldn't let you cry. Therefore, you don't know how to feel your emotions. Therefore, you don't know how to talk to me. And you need to go get help. I can't help you with that. And like just admitting that that's the truth, whether or not we know what's going to happen after that, whether or not we know that they're going to go get therapy or whatever. Like just drawing that line, saying, saying that and saying like that's the truth and then stop making everything else the problem. Stop acting like, these little petty things that pop up are the reason you're arguing. When you know the reason you're arguing is deeper and connected to things that were set in stone at childhood or seemingly set in stone. Like 
just like we have the power to start at the starting place and not move in a direction that isn't actually what's going on. Dahlia says, I 100% agree with this. My spouse, best friend, mom, sister isn't my therapist. Took me a long time to realize this. Yep. He said, 90% of our behavior is based on our history. What else? How you do relationships is how you do, how we do life. You need to know what your needs are so you can create a safe relationship that meets your needs. Um, I also see that as knowing what your needs are so that you know, like you can start there and you can ask yourself, well, can I really expect to get this from my husband? Or can I really expect to get this from my friend? Or can I really expect to get this from XYZ? Like knowing your needs are, and I can't remember the word he used, but he did talk about how some couples are, like he was talking about codependency and interdependency where you, if you're codependent, you are trying to get your needs fulfilled by this one person. And that doesn't work. And we need to be able to look at, even though ideally you might be like, well, in a perfect relationship, I should be getting this from this person. But we don't live in a perfect world. Everyone's growing at their own pace. And maybe you have needs that you need to you know, maybe you, if you have a real need to communicate about what you're honestly feeling and it's not happening with your spouse, then it might have to happen with someone else. And as a result, we all know this, as a result of you growing and taking care of yourself without making that another person's responsibility, by some magical effect, the other person who you're in a relationship with, even if you don't care about even if you don't do anything to change them, they start changing because we took responsibility for how we are going to meet our own needs in a really responsible way instead of going to people who literally can't give us that at the moment, if ever, maybe. Like letting that go and seeing where we can go for ourselves to make sure that we are getting what we need. At the core, we are all trying to get what we need. He said that one of the definitions of trauma is you had a need and it was unmet. Like a traumatic experience was an unmet need. So now that we're adults and we can make choices, we still have needs, but we need to create the relationships, environment, situations, communities, whatever, to, to meet those needs. Like we have to be intentional about it. We can't just say, well, you're my sister, brother, how, sp spouse, father, mother, whatever. You should be giving this to me. You should be treating me this way. You should be fulfilling this need. But if that's not happening, we need to find it somewhere else. Um, 
create an internal and external environment that supports how you want to feel. The state of your body affects your emotions, especially for women. This is why decluttering was a great way to prepare to cultivate our best feeling state. How many people here feel different, like literally you feel different because you decluttered, because your home has less stuff in it and reflects more of the person you want to be, the life you want to live? Do you literally feel differently? And do those feelings, that nervous system, now affect the way you think? Are you thinking more clearly? Do you feel your intuition talking to you? Like, are those dots starting to connect? He said, indecision is training your nervous system not to trust your intuition. I loved this piece. I also have said that the key to making the right decision is make any decision and then tweak it until it's right. Because it's not about making the right decision, it's about making a decision. There's no decision you can make that's right out of the gate. You have to just make a decision and then make the decision right by tweaking and making it work for you. Because if you're not making a decision, you're actually making it worse because you're telling your intuition that it doesn't know what it's doing or no, you're telling your intuition that you don't trust it. You're saying, I can't trust myself to make any decision until someone else tells me what to do. And that is a recipe for destroying your intuition. He also talked about how the nervous system has a default setting. And to change that, to elevate that, is you have to give your nervous system new data. So let's say one of your patterns come up. And instead of doing what you always do when that pattern shows up, do something different. And that's what, that is what is going to allow you to break the pattern. He was talking about disconfirming experiences, if I remember that correctly. So in other words, we keep reacting to something or feeling something because it's what we know. But then you hear someone say something or share an experience or you, you go have a brand new experience by yourself and it makes you realize that what you believed to be true up to that point isn't true. And you start thinking differently, feeling differently, behaving differently. And, and now your nervous system has a new default setting. Now you broke the pattern just because you gave new data to your nervous system. Like you have let your nervous system know that when this happens, I can actually go here instead of here. I can act when someone makes me angry, I can actually go for a walk and feel happy and treat myself to a healthy something 
versus fight back, get angry, and have a bad mood for a week. Like making the decision to go a different direction than you typically go gives your nervous system new data, and that's how you have a new normal. Franchelle says, my intuition is on fire. After clearing my house and my office at work, I've gotten two promotions in two months. Amazing. That is how it happens. Congratulations. He also said, you can't mentalize trauma away. Real trauma work is facing the feeling and the pattern and making a different choice to give your, new, to give your nervous system new data. So like I said, but this is key because we all have gone through trauma and it's like, okay, now what? How do I, how do I break free from trauma? And I liked how he simplified it by just saying how you can't think your way out of it. You actually have to feel the feelings. You have to feel what happened. You can't just say, oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. It happens to everybody. It's normal. You have to literally feel like, oh my gosh, that was really messed up. Let all the tears out, let all whatever, and then face the pattern that comes up as a result of that trauma. And instead of doing what you typically do when that pattern comes, do something different. And that starts to give your, new, your nervous system new data, reset the default system, re reset it to a new level, and now you can break free and act differently. You don't break free from ignoring it because that's just avoidance behavior. So if you know that you've been through something terrible in your past and you know that you never really cried about it or felt sad about it or you, ne you never really felt like you allowed it to affect you as much as you know it could have, that doesn't mean you overcame it and you're bigger than it. It just means that it's buried deep inside of you and you're avoiding it. And it is still trying to find a way out. It is always, as long as you're burying something, it is finding ways to come out that are unhealthy. That it can look like OCD. It can look like... Um, irrational anger it can look like it can look like a disorder like these things are a result of a traumatic experience trying to well coming out in a way that is unhealthy because we never intentionally let it out in a way that was healthy so just know that if you're able to like look back at an experience and think oh yeah but it didn't really affect me much it is affecting you you're just avoiding it. What are the reasons you've not moved forward in the past? So for me, I feel like what my epiphany during this event was I only move forward so much when I know I could move forward so much more. And I identified it as much as I could by myself, working alone as an island <laughs> uh, in that moment. But I did, like, at the end, I, I talked to Mastin, asked him some questions. We went back and forth. And that was, that was a lot of, that was fun. But I, was, I, talk, I talked to him about how 
I know I can be a millionaire. I've built a six-figure business. I know I could be at seven figures. Like, I know I have everything I need to have a seven-figure business. And I'm wondering if the reason why I am keeping my, my growth at this slow level when I know I could just explode is because I have this default setting of enough. Like I always make enough. Even if like, oh, I need to make $20,000 this month. Okay, I can do it. But then it's because that's enough. It's not more than enough. <laughs> like I can make as much money as I need to make. Even though, yes, I have a great lifestyle, my husband's retired, I'm still operating at the level of, well, this is what I need to make versus let me make that and 10 times more. And I think it's because I don't come from a history of more than enough. I come from a history of less than we need and just enough to get by. And there's probably more stuff wrapped into that, but... I need to get around experiences where it's, I need to give myself new data of what it feels like to really have more than enough, to have 10 times more than enough. So, and I put here, if I need a $15,000 month, I make a $15,000 month, but I would like to have more than enough. I would like to blow my own mind at a whole new level and disconfirm my previous beliefs. So that's what I wrote down. And when it comes to money, that's really what I'm going for. It is to have this marker. Money is a marker of how much I have grown, how much I've let go of old crap and garbage and grown and accepted what I'm really capable of, who I really can be. That is really why I feel like I could be seven figures. I don't like the feeling of knowing I can do this, but for whatever reason, I'm not. Like I, the, the best feeling for me is doing something amazing and realizing that I'm just doing what I'm capable of. Doing what I'm capable of versus falling short of what I'm capable of. Because on the one hand, I'm living in the truth. On the other hand, I'm accepting something about myself that's not true and allowing that to continue to inform my behavior and reality. And I don't want that. Um, so will you face the same pattern and make a different choice? Is there something you did today that was the result of how you always did it? It wasn't the healthiest decision. It wasn't what your best version of you would have done, but you did it because you always did it. Could you face that same pattern or circumstance tomorrow and make a completely different choice? That is my challenge to myself. That's my challenge to you. Tomorrow, can you wake up and do things differently? even if it's just one thing. Feel free to put in the comments what you think that one thing will be tomorrow.
Yeah, Sia says, I'm at work. I can't watch right now, but I'll catch up later. Awesome. Fran says, you should have RTT. Natasha Bray is amazing with the breakthrough income level mindset. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about her, Fran. I'm going to check out her work. From what I could tell from her Facebook post, she kind of has this same perspective of having gone through trauma and knowing that that is a lot, that is a big part of the work of helping women move forward. Um, what else did I write? Well, that's pretty much it. I wanted to share that experience with you ladies. Now I have to tune out because Miguel and I switch off around this time. But I was really excited to go to that event. I met some amazing women there who I am looking forward to meet up with. Um, in my life, I've had experiences because I grew up feeling like I had to save everyone in my family. And then that turned into attracting friendships where I had to save my friends from their lives and help them be all they could be and blah, blah, blah. But, and that's great or, or whatever, but it created an uneven friendship where it's like, I'm giving, 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 but not receiving. And then that burned me out and turned out that no matter how much I gave to my friends, they weren't really around when I needed them. And then that turned into me being really more of an island and not wanting to go out and find new friends, even though I still have like a ridiculous number of amazing online friends who are at the same level and beyond me. But I really knew that I was still holding myself back from making friends that I could meet up with for coffee and hang out with in real life because that reminded me of what I used to have with people who weren't real friends. But I knew that that's just a feeling based on something that happened that doesn't need to be true for every experience that I can have out there with a woman like me. And so when I went to this event, it was to also make new friends, meet people, and uh, at the end of the event, I asked Mastin a question, and that turned into us talking more. And whatever I said at the end of it, because my question was the last question of the event, um, I just ended up, I had this whole line of women and men coming up to me, basically asking me if we could be friends. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I manifested exactly what I wanted. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I'm glad I started the year 2020 overcoming that pattern, which was putting a wall around myself, uh, around the idea of making real friends in real life. Uh, Francis, love that. Me too. I'm ready to hang out for coffee with real people. Not that you guys aren't real, but we're, you know, we can't meet up for coffee. <laughs> okay. Thank you for joining me. And tomorrow when you wake up, do something different. Give your nervous system new data. Break the patterns. Feel the feelings. And...
do the trauma work because you don't need more SEO tips. You need to turn your trauma into rocket fuel. All right, I'll see you guys later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Magic Is You podcast. If you would like to join our newsletter, please visit themagicisyou.org forward slash newsletter. See you next time.